Welcome to the Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org. So we've come to Acts chapter 9, and uh, this is a significant piece of church history. Uh, perhaps one of the most remarkable conversions in Christianity, which is the conversion of Saul. And uh, he's affected all of our lives. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1 in chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that they, if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound through Jerusalem. Saul was a dangerous man. He, let me read to you his own account of his, his doings at this time in his life. In Acts chapter 6, it says this, Paul said, not only did I lack lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in the synagogues. I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously engaged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. He's pretty dangerous, but he was also a deluded man because he thought he was doing God service by doing this, by coming after these heretics who were followers of this heretic Jesus. So he was deluded in that, and also he was deluded about Jesus himself. He presumed Jesus to be a blasphemer, a heretic, and worthy of death. He's cursed of God. He saw him, cursed of God. And uh, another thing he was deluded about is he thought he was Jesus was dead (laughs) he was about to find out the truth Uh, let's read on in verse 3 as he was traveling it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting me And he said, Who are you, sir? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Wow. I don't think any of us uh, match up to this kind of conversion. He got knocked off of his animal. And uh, he has quite a revelation coming to him. He First, it's a bright light. I'm going to tell you something. Saul wasn't meeting Jesus the Galilean uh, that limited himself in his earthly existence, and he wasn't even meeting the resurrected Lord like they did in the upper room. At this point, Jesus had been ascended, he is exalted to the right hand of God, and he has been glorified, and Saul meets the glorified, resurrected, exalted Lord. This is what he looks like. You want to know what Jesus looks like? He's got so much glory coming out of him. His face is bright like the sun. His clothes, white 
as any launderer can want, and his eyes are flames of fire. Thank you, Lord. Anybody have, an, anybody have a conversion like that? We'll all see him one day, and we'll have the bodies to be able to handle it. Because immediately, he, Saul goes blind. All right? Now, here, the, the whole idea here, let me, let me continue reading this. When he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he says, who are you? He said, I am Jesus. Wow, uh, what a shocker here. Okay, what a stunner when he realizes at this point that by persecuting these Christians, he was so wrong about what he was doing. I mean, just like that. It, 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 I, I just, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, what a stunner. Have, have you ever watched a movie where logically you're following this movie along and it's, and it's pulling you through this story and you think you know it? And then at the very end, there's a twist. Ugh! And everything you saw in the movie wasn't as you thought it was going to. Well, imagine what's going on in Saul and boom, he gets knocked off his horse and he's blind and for three days, all of it's coming together for him. Because he was a Pharisee. He was skilled in the law. He was trained in the law. He knew the prophets. He knew, the, he knew everything in the scriptures. And now this light comes on in his life and he's got three days putting this together. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I bet you there was a lot of repentance going on. He was persecuting God himself. Okay, so this is what's going on. This is quite dramatic to being a God killer uh, and the killer of the church, if you will, uh, to becoming one of the great champions of our faith and the great champions in the New Testament. That is a turnaround. Now, let's, let's continue to read. <clears throat> Verse 7, it says, uh, The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, I'm, I'm really not going to... This, this message this morning isn't going to be about Saul. It's going to be about who we meet in, chapter, in verse 10 here. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. I want to talk about Ananias this morning. I want to talk about hearing from God and having the courage to respond. Because in Ananias, we have a wonderful example of this. So he was just a regular disciple in the church of Damascus. Some say he was one of the 70. But here he hears from the Lord. And he hears his voice being called, Ananias, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now Jesus is commissioning uh, Ananias, and he says this, <laughs> Saul, he is praying. <laughs> you think? I think he's gone through some repentance. I think he's gone through some revelation. I think God has prepared this man. I think there's a conversion going on in his heart. And uh, he's coming to the truth. And he has seen in a vision 
Ananias. Now, I like this part because when God commissions you for something, when God commands you to do something, when he has a task for you, he's already prepared the way. He's got, I've always said this, if God is telling you to do something, he's got the provision for you to do it. He's got the grace that will apply to your life to do what he asks you to do. And so this is a pretty tough task for Ananias. Yeah, look, at, look at his response here. He, he says this in verse uh, 13, after the Lord said, uh, you're to go in and lay hands on him. But Ananias, but, here we go. See that first word? But. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things about this man and how much harm he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. Well, uh, there was quite a notoriety about uh, Saul. They knew what he was up to. They knew he was on the way, the disciples did, knew he was on the way to Damascus and how much trouble and how dangerous he was. And so immediately the, the hesitation, the initial human response that would happen to all of us, there's a hesitation. And what brings forth this hesitation, of course, is his knowledge of Saul and what he was doing, uh, that he was on a rampage. And based on the, just logic, basic logic, you know, we, we don't question the Lord. The Lord questions us. But here the, in this hesitation, I mean, here, logically, this is a man to be avoided. Okay, so he's got the logic moving in his, in his, in his mind and a possible fear factor. You know, that, that would be just quite common. A common, you know, Jesus was telling him to confront this monster. All right, so these factors right here are some of the barriers that everybody would face, any of us would face when the Lord would tell us to do something that's maybe a hard task is we would have to deal with the fear factor. It might go against our own logical thinking. Or our own knowledge of a situation because God's got a whole lot more knowledge than we do. You know? So these are some of the barriers. But God reassures Ananias with a little more information. He says to him this in verse 15, the Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you are coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now, uh, Ananias, I think, is an excellent example of responding correctly, hearing the voice of the Lord and responding correctly to the Lord. I want to show you two different attitudes that I see in ministry here. Saul, I think his attitude was more like, this is what I'm going to do for God. You know, oftentimes we, we do that, oh, I'm going to build this thing for God, or I'm going to do this thing for God. Uh, the attitude of Ananias was this, yes, Lord, what would you have me to do? You see the difference? And this is what ministry is about. It's being able to hear what God is saying to you to receive the communications of God because we're in partnership with him. 
He initiates ministry. He initiates these things. And we are sent up, and we do not send ourselves. We're sent of Him. And this is where the power in ministry is, is when I am living a life of obedience and in communion with the Holy Spirit. Because we can cook up all kinds of things, you know, in the kitchen. But that's not where life is. Life is in the bedroom. That's where life comes forth. It's in the intimate relationship with our God. That's, that's, that's where the life is. But you know, in church life, oftentimes we got, we, we'll sit around a conference table and we'll brainstorm and we'll try to cook things up. But I'll tell you something, if, if God's not breathing on it, it's not going to bear the fruit. But what God is breathing and speaking and communicating to His people, communicate, what you do then has the grace of God on it and will produce fruit. Amen. 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 Now, so... Uh, one of the, one of the fellows that I grew up with, uh, one of the generals in the body of Christ, was Paul Youngi Cho, who, from scratch, built the largest church in the world at that time. And one of the quotes that he gives is this: When they ask him, you know, how did this come to pass here in South Korea like this? He said, "Well, he said, I pray and I obey." And that was his answer to it all. He was just responding to the communications that he received from the Lord, the visions he received from the Lord. So receiving the communications of God are vital to each one of us, not just Pastor Cho, but for every believer. And let me, let me tell you some of the reasons why it's vital uh, for us to become skilled at hearing from the Lord, recognizing his voice. I mean, this is critical for our relationship Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live. That's where our life comes from. That's our life source that comes from heaven. And without it, I can't grow in God. I can't grow in faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And so God intends every believer to have their ears on. Jesus said it 15 times. He that hath ears, let him hear. There is a responsibility on our side to be hearers so that we can hear the communications of God. This is why it's vital. This is where all ministry springs out of. Now, hearing God, let me, let me talk a little bit more about this. Uh, God is a communicator. More than we realize, he's, he's a talker. Uh, some don't believe that. Some teach that God is not speaking anymore. Anybody ever heard somebody teach like that? He's not. I just want to know, when did he go mute? You know, what would be the purpose of cutting off his communication with his own body? I mean, the, uh, it's not even logical. And the, and, the, and the thought behind it is this. We now have the written word of God. Well, I want to say that our relationship is not with a book. As much as I love this book, okay, this book is to lead us to the author of this book. See? And, and if we stop here and just let knowledge feed us and not a, come to a relationship, we're missing the mark. We're on, we're on the wrong road. Uh, and so there, God is doing more speaking than what's in these scriptures. When I talk about the word of God and hearing the word of God, yes, 
through the scriptures God is speaking. But I'm telling you something, there's a relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit where he's speaking to you today. Did he speak to anybody this morning? I got a couple words this morning during worship. Let me give them to you. (laughs) Because he talks in the way you you could hear it. And one of the things he says to me, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of preparing myself, you know, for really all week long and sometimes a couple weeks to 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 have the mind of the Lord uh, for a meeting like this. And so I'm standing here and I always pray and I says, OK, Lord, you know what, what, what's going on today? What should I do? And just real quickly, he said two little things to me. He said, stay out of my way. What that said to me is that I'm going to sense his presence in this meeting and all of us are going to sense him in this meeting talking to us. It's, it's not about a man talking to you. What it's about is the Holy Spirit talking to you while the preacher's running his mouth. Yes, yes, yes. I need a bigger amen than that. Amen. God can use any old donkey, I'm telling you right now. But you see, God can speak to the heart so much more in one little phrase and one little word that comes through. And so, it, it, so what he was saying to me, you know, stay out of my way. And then the second thing he said to me at the end of worship, just a little thing, I, I can't remember my mindset at the time, but he just said, don't forget who you are and what you're carrying. And you know, I can't tell you, well, I can tell you, <laughs> you know when you hear a little phrase, just a little word from heaven, it is full of life, it's full of authority, and it's full of strength, and it just does something to your soul. Oh, yeah. It sets you in your place. It sets you on your path when you can hear from heaven. Otherwise, I'm left to my own logic. I'm left to my own emotion. Yes. You see, and I'm left to my fears. Right. But, but the word of the Lord will cleanse all that and cut through all of that and set you firm on your feet. I mean, I... I we live, we stand, we grow by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. So uh, it's vital that we hear, and not just from the scripture, this book is to lead us to a relationship. I, I, got, I, I went out to my car this morning and I, and I, got, my, uh, I got my owner's manual from my car. It's, it's a good manual got a lot of information and illustrations and and it's it's just great (laughs) but if this is all i connect with here uh i am missing it because this is so just to help me interface with the real thing my car i mean i can sit around and have a little small group and we can all sit around with our manuals uh our car manuals and never drive our cars. I want to tell you something. We can study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible. But I tell you, it's to lead us to a living, vibrant, powerful relationship with God Almighty. So in the reading of your word, in the reading of your Bible, know the path that you're on. Is I'm when I open that book, I'm coming to meet God and let God speak to me. Okay. All right. Enough of that. So, let me give you some verses of Scripture here. Listen to what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said this to them, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them, in them, you have eternal life. But these are those that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. 
So the Pharisees were those that were stuck in the study of the Scripture and they never came to life. They never came to Jesus. They were content with the law alone. They were content with the grapha or the Scriptures alone. Amen. They're meant to bring us to Him. Purpose in creating us from the very beginning was for fellowship. For for his pleasure. He desires a walking, talking relationship with every single one of us. Now, God is a communicator. One of the verses that speaks loudest to me about this is Psalm 139 in verse 17. And it says this, How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. In hearing from God, understanding that he has so much to say to us. I can remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 12. Uh, He was leaving, he was departing, and he had spent three years speaking truth to them. Three years, the truth. I mean, he was the truth. (laughs) They walked with the truth. Can you imagine what the word of God did to their lives. It turned them topsy-turvy. Who else has the words of life? Peter said to him. You know, where else are we going to go? When they would gather by the thousands to hear the words that come out of the mouth of Jesus, it was the word of God. It was the word of life that was coming out of him. And as he was leaving, before he was going to go to the cross, he said, I have many more things to say to you. I was reading that one day and I felt God really made that personal and he said, Bill, I have many more things to say to you. What he has communicated to me has changed my life. Has it changed your life? It's converted your life. It's guided your life. It's protected your life. He's got many more things to say to you. He's got stuff to say to you today. He's got stuff to to say to you tomorrow. And that's, that's the life of the Christian the head communicating with the body. This verse of scripture after that says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will speak. He will, everybody say he will speak. He will speak not on, on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose to you what is to come. John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I'm telling you something. Throw out that teaching that God isn't talking. Jesus says he's talking. He's talking to his sheep. He's talking to his flock. Now, it's vital that we hear from God, but let me show you some of the ways in which God speaks to us. Uh, There are different avenues that God has used to speak to men throughout the scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 1.1 says he spoke through through the prophets in many ways uh, in times past, but has now spoken to us through his son, Jesus. Now, in times past, he spoke through prophets. He spoke through dreams, angels, burning bush, whirlwind. I mean, you can just go through the Old Testament and see how God communicated with his servants and communicated with his people. But there are some differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And I want to look at a few of these. Here with Saul, he was not yet born again, Jesus himself appeared to Saul. Okay, this was, this was a pretty critical time in history. Jesus himself appears to him, and uh, there was no inner voice for, for Saul. There was no, 
He was not regenerate. He was not born again. And so for the born again man, for the New Testament, we've got an inner voice. But Saul didn't have that. So Jesus himself shows up. Okay, so that Saul could get the message that he had been chosen. God had his eyes on Saul. Uh, One of the things he said to Saul, he says, it's not wise for you to kick against the pricks or the goads. Well, what was going on with God was after Saul, but he wasn't paying attention. You know, he was there when Stephen was being stoned. He saw the glory of God on Stephen's face. Uh, He heard the message that Stephen brought forth. I mean, and then he was doing all these things, but at the same time, God was bringing conviction upon his life, trying to get his attention, and he, he, he wasn't coming around. So, kaboom. <laughs> Jesus himself shows up. I'll tell you, when Jesus decides he wants something, he's gonna, I think he's going to get it. Yeah. And so he wanted Saul, and not, because Saul was a designated vessel, not only to take the gospel to the Gentiles, but before kings. God had designed Saul for his purpose. Just like he's designed you specifically for a purpose. Aren't you glad he came after you? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit hovered over your life and made you miserable? What he did to me. What is it? Truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Is that right? Now, those are the differences. But to Ananias, here we see the Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. Okay. Later on in the book of Acts, we see Peter. Uh, he fell into a trance and saw a vision and heard a voice. And just a few weeks ago, we were uh, in chapter 8, where Philip, where an angel spoke to him. God used the angels to speak, and not only to Philip uh, to join the Ethiopian eunuch, but also uh, in Luke 1, in you know, the very first parts of the gospel, we see a lot of angels. Angel appearing to Zacharias, an angel appearing to Mary, the shepherds, Joseph. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, the guidance of God, to, especially to the unregenerate man like everybody that I just mentioned in Luke chapter 1, there was a lot of angels, and there was a lot of visions, and there was a lot of dreams at that particular time during the birth of Christ. And, and I've noticed in the scripture, whenever there is a critical time in church history and in God's plan, there's going to be more dramatic guidance. Poof, you know, angels, poof, dreams, you know. Poof. Why? Well, it was a very critical time of guidance that was needed at that time. You know, God was becoming a, a helpless babe in a, in, in a, in a private house uh, there in Bethlehem. Now, uh, that's a critical time right there for the protection, you know. And so uh, God warned the wise men in a dream, you know, he's communicating very dramatically. And so sometimes uh, in your own life, when God wants you to make a, a left turn, a right turn, or turn around, uh, there's always a little more dramatic guidance that's going on. You know, it, it's a lot like when you're driving your car. And you got your hands on the steering wheel, and you're going down the 278 raceway. You don't need a lot of steering going on. 
except for the ones that cut you off, you know, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and the, but when it's time for you to turn into a name, now your, your guidance is getting a little more radical. Now it's the same way in your life. Now, if, if you're going along, you're in communication with Jesus, but you're not seeing angels and you're not getting visions or there isn't a trance or a dream that comes to you. Well, you're probably on course. Hopefully you're on course. But if you get off course, you're going to have the Holy Spirit that's going to, there's going to be a little more dramatic stuff. There may be a prophet that gets in your face and tells you to repent. You handled that pretty good, huh? Okay, that's when we're going to see a little more uh, radical guidance in our lives is when there is some fresh direction for your life. Okay, let, let me continue on with, with some of the guidance things. Um, <clears throat> for us mostly there is an intuitive inner knowing that we get that's the inner voice you know some of you maybe all of us have heard something so audible your eardrums could pick up a voice speaking to you how many have had God communicate to you and you know it wasn't internal you could hear it with your external ears what? At least it felt that way. But I mean, sometimes it, it just seems loud. And, uh, but most of the time, it's, it's an inward voice. It's an inward knowing. And sometimes it's pictures. And sometimes it's visions that happen on the inside of you. Uh, I've heard just maybe twice the voice of the Lord that I sensed I could hear with my eardrums. That's not God's common way for the New Testament Christian the way he mostly speaks is in the inner voice. And oftentimes, when you, if you hear something audibly, I, I, this, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a scripture for this, but I think mostly that's an angel bringing the message of the Lord to you. The angel who has some vocal cords. Jesus had some vocal cords. He talked to Saul directly. He could hear him. And the men around him also heard the voice that but they couldn't see what Saul was seeing. But they heard something. Why? Because there were some vocal cords at work happening in our realm, in our earthly realm. And so there was a couple times I've heard the voice of the Lord like here, and I knew that that was a message. Well, I, I believed it'd be a message coming from an angel. I was driving down my car one day, and I came to a stop sign, and man, uh, it's just like there was an angel whispering in my ear and I could hear the direction and the guidance of the Lord as concerning the raising of my children in one particular area. Amen. So that's, I can't, I can't say how theologically correct that is, but uh, that's been my, uh, my guide on, on hearing from the Lord. But mostly it's this inner inspiration that you get, this inner urging, this inner voice that comes and you, you know that you know. That's a bit, you know, you know that you know. How many of you know that you know you're headed for heaven? Amen. You know that you know. And then when the Lord is, is, is speaking to your heart, I tell you, it's full of comfort. It's full of love. And the word of the Lord will also bring correction. The word of the Lord the, is good for correction, for edifying. And uh, I can remember uh, Susan and I, we got a lot of guidance. We got a lot of guidance when we got married. And I think it was necessary. <laughs> We were pretty messed up. And, uh, but God needed us together because we've been a team since 1984. I should know this. 
that she is a ministry gift. I mean, she, she's, a, she's a tremendous ministry gift, and, it, and, and it's not usual to see... Uh, well, anyway, uh, I don't, I don't want to go there, but uh, she, she, I recognized immediately the servant of the Lord in Susan Otten. And, of course, I have my own grace that I carry and, and have been called in the ministry for, gosh, over 40 years. But I was single at the time. I was a bachelor forever, you know. And uh, Susan came to town, and uh, she had heard from the Lord after a phone call with me. We had known, we had met each other one day. And you ought to hear her story sometime. And the Lord spoke very clearly to her that she was going to be my wife. And then uh, some weeks later, I was doing some miracle services up in New England. And for me... Uh, I was I hung up the phone with Susan. I was letting her know all the stuff that was going on at the meetings every day. I uh, remember I hung up the phone, and then that inner knowing came to me. Just it flooded me, and I began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh because I knew that woman was going to be my wife. Now she heard a voice, or she. You heard words. I got an inward witness. Yes, this is God. I'm going to get married to this girl. And we had only known each other a few days. I don't recommend it, young people. All right. But sometimes it had to be radical for us because she was bound up with fear. I was bound up with rejection. God knows how to get to you. He knows how to talk to you. All right. Now, there's, I'll get to this wisdom part in just a minute, young people. <laughs> But let me, let me say a, a few things here. How do you know when you're hearing from God? How, how do we know? Well, I want to give you about six different filters that I immediately come up with. There's probably more. But here are some of the filters that, uh, that this can pass through to help us discern the voice of the Lord. Because, you know, there's a voice of the devil that condemns, you know. There, there's the voice of others. There's many voices, none without signification. But here are some of the filters. Number one, we have the Scripture test. All right? Does it agree with Scripture? No, you cannot. Kill your husband. God did not tell you. <laughs> the, the Bible clearly says thou shalt not murder. God will not contradict his own word. And so uh, there's the first filter right there. Number two is the character test. Does it line up with the character of God? You know, uh, God told me to go down and tell those sinners down at the intersection at the courthouse that they're full of the devil and I was to condemn them to hell. I don't think that's the way God does it. And I've seen people that have told me that God, well, I'm talking, they've done more to alienate uh, others from the kingdom than they did to help because Jesus' method would be more like this. His approach would be that he was the friend of sinners that showed mercy and compassion and engaged them in conversation and operated in spiritual gifts to reach their heart. See, that's God's way. And we have ideas in our minds, but that are not always according to the character of God. Number three, the wisdom test. Is it wise? The ways of God are full of wisdom. You know, when, when someone says, you know, God told me to quit my job, you know, even though he's got four children and no support and no other source of income, but God told me to quit my job. And I said, no, he didn't. <laughs> That's not the wisdom. God doesn't. 
God's communications are the ways of wisdom. He told us in the scripture over and over again to be wise as serpents, to build your life wisely upon the rock. Proverbs is the book of wisdom for us. But oftentimes, you know, we have our own ideas and God's wisdom is so much higher than our ideas. Uh, You know, I can remember I was preaching in Texas and uh, it was August and the 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 folks there had an idea that they were going to have, they felt like it was the Lord to lead them to have a tent meeting, an evangelistic tent meeting in August in Texas. That was real smart. Well, nobody came. There was no fruit to that. Why? No one's going to sit in a sweltering tent in August. It was just an idea that You know, a sentimental idea. And see, we're full of sentimental ideas and traditions that make void the Word of God. There is a way. There is a communication that God has to us to reach out to others. But that wasn't the way. That was the foolishness of man is what that was. But God's got wisdom for each one of us. So that's the wisdom test. I got several illustrations that I've... You've probably heard, too, of, of the foolishness, the foolish things that people have done saying that God told me. You know, God told me. Let me get to this in a minute. Let, let, me, let me go to the wiring test. Here's the wiring test. Does it line up with who I am? That is, the talents, the strengths, and the temperament that God gave to me. You know, God, Susan, God has not spoken to you to leave and go on a concert tour. You know, when someone says that's right, well, you know, a couple questions will fix it. Do you have any musical training? No. Do you have any experience in songwriting? No. It's like me, you know, God, God spoke to me this morning that I was going to play linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I don't think you've heard from God at age 62, totally out of shape. No. So that's the wire. Are you wired for this? You know, is, is this who you are? Is this who God has made you to be? That's, you know, there's another little filter for you. Number five, there's the peace test. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. It'll act as an empire. Yes, no, safe, out, red light, green light. It'll act as an umpire and a guard over your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we move with peace. And the ways of God are peace. They may trouble your soul, but in your spirit you've got peace. That this is God. And uh, very importantly is the godly counsel test. What do your spiritual leaders and the godly counsel around you think of what you've heard? Oh boy. You know, and, and, you know, the right attitude when you feel God has spoken to you is you, you bring it to those around you that are the voice of God in your life. To bring it around to those who are the godly counsel in your life and not say, well, God told me to go. Well, there's no answer. There's nothing you can add and input into when someone says, well, God told me. Oh, all right. The right attitude is, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm sensing something. I'm, I've gotten this burden for this, or I, the Lord gave me this picture, or this is what I've heard. I just want to bring it and you know, let you speak into it. That's the correct way to have that 
filter in your life on what you're, what you're hearing. And there's, there's probably several more tips that we can have. Now, let me say a few more things here. Our ability to hear the communications of God is connected to our values and what we value, what our hearts are turned toward. One of the things that we all have been created with, it's called the reticular activating system. We hear what's vital, what's necessary for us to hear. Um, you mothers, when you had a baby in the house, a newborn baby, dad could snore right through the baby crying, but any movement in the nursery, you were awake. You were tuned into it. That's the frequency you were on. We, we, we tune in to, the, to a particular frequency. We, uh, we respond to the frequency that we're tuned to. And then, then the system that we have helps us concentrate on the things that we deem important and allows us to ignore the things that have little or no place in our value system. It filters out the unimportant information and helps us focus on what's meaningful. And just like that new mother, she, that's a positive focusing. But have you ever, you ever spoken to someone that lives right next to a railroad track? And you're, you're having a conversation in their living room and that train comes roaring by and you, know, you can't help but hear it. They don't hear it anymore. <laughs> Our brains are wired in such a way that, that we can filter out those things and, and hear the things that we are interested in and that we have value in. I can remember I was at um, Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. I have some orchestra members there that are, are, are good friends of ours. And we were there uh, at a concert, and we were, <laughs> we were way up on the very top row in Music Hall in Cincinnati. And uh, during one of the sets, of the oboe, he's an oboe player, the oboe player didn't have any uh, music during that set. And so he came around and he came all the way up to talk with me on the front row, or the back row. And what he did is he started talking. I was asking him questions about the music because it all just sounds like one sound to me, you know. And uh, he, he leaned down in my ear. And he says, all right, now, Bill, he says, now listen, here come the French horns. And he, I want you to hear. And he, he started dissecting this sound that I was hearing and he could hear things I didn't know you could hear. <laughs> Why? It was of a high value to him because this was his career. Music was his life. Music was his career. It was like the two guys that were walking down this garden path, and the one fellow says to the other, he says, man, there are 14 um, species of cricket. That, well, that was his job. <laughs> uh, what do you call them? Botanist, or I don't know. No, that's, that's plants. Anyway, we hear what's valuable, what we deem as valuable. Until I deem the will of God and my relationship with God as a valuable, life giving, vital thing, I'll be distracted by other things that my, I'm giving my heart to. See, I can give my heart to just money, the pleasures of this life that take a priority over, hey, I am here to do the will of God. I am here to be God's handmaiden. I'm here to be God's servant in the earth. And when that is my mindset, that's my priority. When I'm shopping, which can be quite consuming, uh, I have an ear to hear 
the, pers- the, 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 the need of the salesperson in front of me. And what God has to say in my number one mission, which is to bring the love of God to every man and woman. That's my first mission. Not to find the best sale and the best price and be so consumed with it. I, we need to shop. We need to make money. We need to be businessmen, but I need to have an ear because I'm communicating with the beings that God created and loves and he has you standing in front of him and he wants his heart, his compassion, his pictures, his words that we're always available because we've got that value. We're his servants. You see that value in our lives? And we'll keep that in mind. Uh, We'll hear more from heaven on these matters. We respond to the frequency that we're tuned to. And, you know, when Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, much like uh, Ananias did, it was, uh, the Lord spoke to him. He was in the temples as a young boy, and the Lord said, Samuel. Well, you know what he did is he, he ran to Eli. Because that was the frequency he was turned to, tuned to. It was his mentor. He, he, was, the, he was the priest there that, uh, that was mentoring him. And so he thought he was hearing the voice of his authority, which oftentimes that is the way God talks is through his authority. But he was getting some guidance from Eli, and he says, Go back, lie down again, and let me turn your frequency and ask this question Yes, Lord, what would you have me do? Yes, Lord. So he got a little guidance from his authority in hearing the voice of God. So he got his frequency tuned in. To God. We are on the. I get the hint. All right. I got five minutes. Let me give you a few more verses. That was good. Let me say this. Our ability to hear is connected to our willingness to obey. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 17. If anyone is willing to do his will, they were, they were wondering, you know, where, where did this guy get this teaching? His teaching was coming from heaven. I mean, his teaching was so amazing. The Jews were saying, where did this guy get this stuff? And Jesus said, if any man is willing to do the will of God, he shall know of the teaching. He will be tuned in to the heart of God and to the revelation of God if he's willing to do his will. If he's not willing, I'll give you an example, you know, God, I just, oh God, here I am. I'll do anything for you except don't, I don't want to go to Africa. And I don't want to be a pastor and I don't want to be married. Uh, but other than that, God, tell me what your will is. Total wrong approach, unwilling to have God speak to any area and any way that he chooses about anything in your life. Oh God, teach me how to make money in the business world, but don't talk to me about my entertainment life and my attitude that I've got toward Uncle Joe. I don't don't want to hear that. What I have is selective hearing. And because I have a heart that's unwilling to hear whatever God may speak to me, in any way He chooses to speak to me, in any area of my life He wants to touch, I'm disqualifying myself for my lack of willingness 
You know, the, the, the word of the resurrection, the disciples couldn't hear the word of the resurrection because it came through some women. Maybe even an ex-prostitute. Maybe through some young whippersnapper. Some millennial. Can I hear the word of the Lord through some millennial? I've got to be willing to hear it through whatever vessel and whatever area he wants to speak in my life. And so my attitude isn't, you know, God, I, uh, I want this and this and this and this, but, you know, I'm not going to hear you on. The attitude is, here I am, Lord. Every area of my life is open to you. My pocketbooks are open to you. My wallet is open to you. My attitudes, you can talk to me about Uncle Joe. You know, sometimes the Lord is going to tell you to do a hard thing. Go forgive. Or go give. Or go sacrifice. Or go to work. Ooh. We want to do the will of God, but we really don't want it to involve too much work. Can I hear the word work? Can I hear the word sacrifice? Okay, let me, let me finish this up here. How can uh, I become skilled at hearing the voice of God? I would say, number one, fill your head with Scripture. A mind that's lined up with God's thinking and character. You know, opens that avenue for us. This, is, this book right here, as, you, as, you, as, as this becomes the number one book in your life, you begin to understand how God speaks, how God communicates, the character of the one who's speaking, okay, the mission of the one who's speaking. And the more I'm lined up with this kind of thinking, we stay close to this, it improves our ability to hear the voice of God. Number two, fill your life with obedience. Not enough to know the scripture, but to be a doer of it. And to be a doer of these urgings of the Spirit that you get on the inside, these moves of compassion that happen on the inside, your instant obedience to these and the habit of obedience to the inner voice. You think, well, what if I make a mistake? Well, what if you don't? <laughs> you know, Ananias, how many of us have been blessed because of the simple of obedience that Ananias took? He was a major part in the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Wow. What does your little act of obedience might accomplish? Now, I'll tell you something. The habit of obedience will flag you for the future. <laughs> if God knows he's got someone that will respond to that and not push God away when he's given you because your fears overtake you, you can't obey the Lord, or because your logic overtakes you and you hesitate, as Ananias did, and don't obey what you know the Lord was saying to you because fear talked you out of it. So we're going to get a little bit more into this next week about the kind of warfare that comes to our lives and, uh, along these lines. But the more you practice obedience to the voice of the Lord and the communications of God and to the compassion that he flows through, you become one that God will speak more to. 
(laughs) It happened once. He can use you again. And he'll continue to use you and he'll find a faithful listener, a faithful, obedient servant. And so that's a real key for a tip for becoming skilled at hearing the voice of God. Fill your life with obedience. Uh, Number three, reduce the ambient noise in your life. There is a lot of noise that we have uh, with today's technology. When my mind is so focused on earthly things, and I live here, it's it's a a little hard to be living here all the time because I've got so much noise in my life. You know, solitude is kind of a lost art. You know, find yourself a quiet place beside a lake, you know, and spend some hours without your cell phone. Wow, there's a challenge. What's it called? Mobophobia? That's what it was. The fear of not having your phone. The panic. The anxiety acceleration that comes in your life because you don't have your phone. (laughs) Well, that's my phone somewhere. (laughs) Might be the will of God. I know chocolate's the will of God. I know that. <clears throat> Practice setting your mind on the things that are above. A couple more things. You know, listen, if you pray in the Spirit, I tell you what a, what a wonderful gift that is for us. Uh, tongues. The, the, the spiritual language that God has given to us. Boy, you just pray in tongues for just a little while and it, like, it opens up the channel to hear God's voice speaking to your life. And I mean, you... And then, let me me say this, uh, practice. Making this choice to hear, being intentional about tuning my, turning my ears, stop, ask, and listen. But then the practice of that. And I I think, I I don't have the time I I wanted to have at the end of this. We were going to have a little practice session. But I'll tell you what, we're going to do it next week. A little practice session on hearing with our spirit, the thoughts of God, the communications of God. It's a wonderful little activation. We'll, we'll go through some of those next week. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon. Be sure to visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources.